Hello, welcome to Sheffield Board Gamers Podcast. This is episode 39. My name is Rick, and I'm joined today by Tom Cauldron. Hello, Tom. Hello, Rick. Hello, and I'm joined by Tom Lovell as well. Hi, Tom. Rick, how you doing? Hi, good, thanks. Yeah, I'm not bad. Good to have you both on. Thank you for, for coming on and talking to us. We're going to talk about some of the games we've been playing recently. We've got a question of the week as well, which is, uh, it's on the run-up to Christmas uh, when we're recording this. So it's uh, it's coming up to the Christmas holidays. Everybody's going to be getting together with the, with the family. So what uh, what games can you play with your family, either over a meal or over snacks? So we're going to discuss that. But before all that, I've got a couple of, uh, a couple of bits uh, that's arrived in the post, uh, a Kickstarter that I've ordered. This is a book uh, that I picked I picked up on a, on a Kickstarter, so it's being delivered. It's called Dice Men, and it's by Ian Livingston. <laughs> this is the origin story of Games Workshop. So from 1975 up to 1989, I think it is, 90-ish, something like that. Um, it's, a, it's a really nice book. It's like a big hardback A4 book. Uh, it's got a PDF version as well, so you can read it on your tablet and stuff. But um, it's written by Ian Livingston, and it's got lots of sort of stuff in, like photos from the from the early days of Games Workshop, adverts and things like that, how White Dwarf started, a bit of his history with the, uh, with that side of it. So it should be quite an interesting read. I've only flicked through it so far, but it's quite a big uh, quite a big tome, so that's a nice uh, a nice object to have a look at. Thank you. That's yeah, going good. to make my wife happier. She knows something to put on my Christmas list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's quite an interesting fella. Obviously, he's, we've, I think we've spoken about him before. He did all the fighting fantasy games. Uh, obviously, started off Games Workshop and, and turned it into the kind of business he is now. I don't think he's involved with it anymore. Obviously, sold it, I think, in the, in the 90s. It's a, it's a bit of a different beast these days, I think, to, to what he was then. Well, we're now on ninth edition, whereas um, our 40K, sorry. Um, and I think early 90s, that's when... It went from first edition Rogue Trader to second edition. Yeah, yeah. In the thirty years ish that I've been aware of it, it's gone through quite a few editions. Mm. Yeah, so that should be an interesting read. But I think you can still get you can still get the digital version. So I don't I don't know if you can buy the actual physical printed one. I guess you you probably would be able to for a, for a short period. Um, but the, the the digital ones available, I think. So I'm looking forward to to reading that. Also, I wanted to have a quick chat about uh, games. So I think last year I spoke about this time of year. Obviously, uh, the shops are getting ready for Christmas. They, they're selling presents, things like that. And I went into the, the computer game store, you know, the video game store called Game. Oh, yeah. uh, and they were, selling, they were selling games there. So they've started selling board games now. But I went into TK Maxx uh, the other day to buy a few bits and bobs. Uh, and I came out with loads of games. <laughs> I bought about five, I think. They've got uh, they've got quite a lot of selection. They've got like the usual sort of jigsaws and trivia games and stuff like that. But they have got some uh, some designer board games in there as well. So I picked up a copy of Reef. That was fifteen quid. That's a nice little game. Uh, nice. I've not, not not played it yet, but I've heard good things about it's it. Quite pleasant. Uh, picked up a copy of Sid Meier's Civilization, the new version. Uh, so I have actually got the old version, the old Fantasy Flight version. This is kind of the updated the updated one. So I'm looking forward to giving that one a go. They had a few other games as well that I didn't pick up. So they had uh, Bees, uh, which is another kind of like quite a flashy one. That's bees so, with a Z, isn't it? Bees with a Z, yeah. Similar to Reef, I think it is. I don't know if it's the same company, but it looks uh, similarly pr- a similar production, so we say. I know it's a different game, but 
they have uh, they have the small version of pandemic you know the uh, um oh, one on a hot zone ones yeah is it hot zone yeah yeah hot zone europe or hot, no- hot zone north america i think they yeah one of one of those yeah i can't remember which one but maybe both of them but they've got yeah. that in as well so yeah they've got some uh, got some decent games in there at pretty good prices so yeah, if you if you're uh, if you're out and about and you're somewhere near a TK Maxx, pop in. You might be able to pick yourself up a bargain. Yeah, interesting. Well, segueing between both games and Kickstarter, I've seen that um, Toonhammer have got their latest game, Arcosa, which I backed on Kickstarter, has been received, and so currently I'm in that position of my copy of this game is somewhere in the postal system. Oh wow. At this time of year as well. <laughs> so with just over a week to go before Christmas, with postal strikes, I am kind yeah. of literally um, Schrodinger's cat of will I or won't I get my game before Christmas? <laughs> so um, I'm in gleeful anticipation, but who knows? Yeah, I think I ordered a couple of bits off eBay about two weeks ago and it's not turned up yet. So who knows when the when stuff's going to actually arrive. Have you, have you actually had the confirmation that it's, it is it has been dispatched? It's on its way. Have the confirmation that it's been dispatched as yet, but um, I've had the emails to say that it's been received at distribution place and everything. So of course it's of the element of it's it could be going through the processing at the distribution um, Zatu for UK or whatever. So I'm not expecting it necessarily. Yeah. Within the next week, because I think today had to be the last standard posting day, but they might have other ways of doing fulfillment. Who the heck knows? Um, that said, I ordered books from uh, the huge, from Waterstones, um, you know, um, this week, and they arrived within a few days. So I'm still on the view. Anything could be posted in the next few days and has a chance slim yeah but possible to arrive uh, during the week next week so it, it's an exciting time isn't it when you when your stuff's actually coming and people are people are receiving it because you back you backed it a year two years ago however long it was and then you kind of forget about it a bit you get the odd update and then suddenly it's like yeah it's on its way yeah. and it's like yes it's on its way it's coming it's it'll be here anytime soon <laughs> it at christmas it's like being Chris, being a kid at Christmas again, all over. Forty <laughs> third year being a yeah. kid at Christmas. I uh, talking to Christmas actually. Um, uh, Tracy never knows what to get me for Christmas. Uh, I've got a wish list with uh, loads of board games on from Amazon. So I said, uh, have, have a look down there and pick something. And she said, Oh, there's so many. I don't know which one. Which one do you want? And I says, I don't really know any of them. <laughs> Whatever's cheapest. <laughs> You know, I'm not entirely sure whether I'll get or receive or give any board game presents at all this year. I don't know because people don't tend to want to get me games because they're afraid I might already have it. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to keep on forcing games on people. So this might be a gameless <laughs> Christmas for me. I mean, obviously still playing, but you know. Yeah. So just socks to you then, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I've still got a. Uh, I've still got my sister to buy for, so I might. You know, you know, it never end up. Uh, you never know. I might end up getting them. A, a present as well, <laughs> uh, some sort of game or something. Yeah. Just well, so play it with me. <laughs> I know my son's getting um, the board game of Minecraft for Christmas. Oh, yeah. so, um, so he's definitely getting one. Um, but I've had my birthday fairly recently and got Isle of Cats for that, which I'll be talking about shortly. 
but both myself and my son, we've been playing Battletech, so mm-hmm. we've been getting that. That's Ooh, old school. Yeah, it, it's been going since the eighties, a bit like Games Workshop. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but yes, Catalyst Games have sorted their life, uh, their their um, models recently, and they've been doing great guns with their stuff. But um, I was bought one of their battle maps, so this is double-sided neoprene maps for my birthday. Also, an initiative deck, so keeping sort of board game related, but these are really nice as add-ons to a game hmm. because the map is really nice to play and it's a good size for the games. And you can combine it, particularly the grassland side, with other grassland maps to make them bigger. But the thing that I was really impressed with was the uh, Battlefield support deck that I was bought because it's got an addition to the game, so it expands what you're playing with, rather than just big fighty robots. It gives you air and um, artillery as options. Mm. Needing to read through a big rule book, it's got a few cards succinctly dealing with these ones. It's So it's added an extra dimension, but really easily in a nice card pack. And I, As a product, I thought it's really nice mm. of how to expand a miniatures game, but not add tons of rules. If you wanted the tons of rules, you could go to the rule book and then add them to your force normally. But as a little expansion, it was really, really well thought out and executed. It, I, I can see it being a problem that if you've got like a couple of rule books and you, you're not sure where, you know, what you're looking for is which one it's in and things like that, it can get a bit overwrought, can't it? But uh, having them on a little card, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Oh, it, it does. Well, talking because it's so old, the rule for Battletech um, there's about there's one main rule book which is huge, and then mm. there's plenty of others. So you can go to such wide areas of space. You can do space combat. You've got all different kinds of rules for infantry, for planes, and everything else. And so it can get bogged down mm. with a lot of detail. And so by trimming it down to succinct little cards, I think was just a masterstroke. Mm. Knowing how many horrible rules there could be involved. Yeah, Me- Memoir Forty Four does a similar thing. It's got like cards for each of the terrain types. So if you if you're playing with hills, for example, you've got a hills card, and it tells you if they block line of sight and like how it affects the game and things like that. So the the the, the mats that you've got, the neoprene mats, do they have anything printed on them? Is it just like a pattern, or do they have like hexes on there? Or it's like the standard. So if you were to go out and buy the starter set mm. or one of the main boxes, you get some paper mats in there, which is really nicely printed terrain with the hexes, the numbered hexes, and it tells you whether it's level one or level two for the hills, whether it's light or heavy terrain for uh, light or heavy um, woods and all of that. And it's exactly the same printing. The difference being, instead of being good quality paper, this is durable um, neoprene with the cloth on each side. And playing with a nine-year-old and being a klutz myself i don't have to have the fear of i am going to accidentally tear this paper and trash it Mm. um i don't have to worry about one of us accidentally spilling beverages on it or or anything like that so yes it's really nicely printed like their normal game map sort of maps packs which are paper but it's just durable Mm. Yeah, they are nice. I've got a couple that uh, we like play card games on the things, and they're uh, uh, yeah, they help you sort of pick up the cards a bit easier. And you know, 
stops things skidding all over the place if you're playing dice and things like that. They are quite good. The, the only thing I don't like about them, though, is the, is the storage. Uh, you either have to roll them up and have them as like a long tube and then find somewhere for that, or you, you fold them up and you end up with creases in it or something like that. It's They can be a bit a little bit awkward when you're putting them away. Um, it comes in a box, and so actually the box... All right. It's a nice-sized box. If you, so I've got, I'd like to say a little space where I keep all my miniature games. Um, it's not little, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I've been dabbling too many years, but yeah, it 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 doesn't take up that much space considering all the other tabs. All right, yeah, that's good then. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, uh, shall we move on to the games that we played then? I think it makes sense. Yeah. One one that I've played recently is a game called Lock Nova. It's a little game called Ark Nova. A, a little game that's um, yeah that that some people have heard of. It's uh, Lizzie actually spoke about it a few uh, a few episodes ago, but I've had a chance to to play it a couple of times. Then uh, it came out in twenty twenty one. It's designed by Matthias Wig, and uh, it plays between two and four players. Takes about two or three hours, probably with four players. Is that what it says on the box? Or is that actual? Uh, <laughs> yeah that's pretty I think well we played it four players and it took us about three hours I think okay but we, we were going pretty quickly and we kind of knew that we played it so we, we knew the game I think if you're playing it with new players or if you're playing it at the club or something like that you're probably looking more like four if you're playing with with new players but yeah if you if you if you're not sort of dawdling you can and you know what you're doing you can play it in two and a half three hours something like that okay reasonable well in Gloucester, it's been quite popular as well. Oh, um, and yeah. Jerick, who owns it, um, shout out to him. He's never won a game of result. Um, <laughs> Neither have I. And I think they kind of just about finish with, you know, we start at seven and just about finish sort of about half, ten, eleven, the first one or two games they've played. So I think you've got the timing pretty much bang on for yeah, yeah. New, time, new time to play. I, th- I think if you're playing it with fewer players, it will be a little bit quicker. But uh, this is a, um, a zoo building game, basically. So it's uh, each player gets like a mat with uh, hexes on it, and they are like uh, they've got mountains on and rivers and just plain plain hexes. And you're building enclosures on there. You're putting animals in your enclosures, and you're trying to uh, earn conservation points and also tickets. People come to your zoo and pay ticket money to uh, to see all your animals. So there's a few different things you can do in the game. So it's it's uh, it's it's controlled by a card system, so you've got five action cards that you can play, uh, and each one has a slot numbered from one to five. So it, as you play a card, it slides over to the left and goes into the lowest slot, and, it can, and the strength of the card depends on which slot it's in. So the number five slot, when you use that card, it gets a more powerful action than if it was further down. So the longer you leave it before you do an action, the more powerful it gets. The, yeah, the better it gets, yeah. yeah. That's an interesting system, actually. I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it works out quite well. Um, you pick which card you want to play. So there's not like massive, uh, a massive load of actions that you can do. There's five, basically. But you don't really want to use the cards that are in the one and two slot. So in effect, really, you're, you're only looking at the last three cards of which one you want to play. Um, and, and then you do the action, and then it goes on to the next player. So the turns are pretty snappy. You just do one thing, and then maybe build, a, build an enclosure or play a card or something, and it goes on to the next player. Um, so it, it's pretty quick that way. It's played over a number of rounds, but the end game trigger is um, you, you've got ticket points and you've got uh, actual victory points, 
and each one starts at the opposite end of this long track and when they cross over that's the end of the game that flags the uh, uh, the last round of the game so you're trying to get get them to, to actually meet, meet each other and cross and then whatever the difference is between the two the two markers that's your score at the end of the game so the further apart they are once they've crossed that's that's the, a, be, a better score there's a huge stack of cards uh, so there's a, a stack of like 130 cards or something there's quite a lot uh, and each one will contain sort of various animals that will do different effects when you play it you'll have sponsors which are like special abilities that, that you can have for the rest of the game there's end game scoring cards in there uh, and again you use your actions to play these cards so it's kind of building up uh, building up an engine using the abilities of the cards, the special effects to sort of combo off each other. If you play Terraforming Mars, it's similar, feels similar to that with a huge stack of cards and sort of yeah. cycling through and trying to find the ones that you want. And you end up with like 20 cards in front of you and they all do different things. You've got to remember They all do different do. things, yeah. yeah, yeah. So when you play an animal, you have to look at the tags on it. So this is a bird, so it'll do this and it'll give me this ability. That lets me draw two extra cards and then I have to discard one and that gets me a money and blah, blah, blah. So it all, it all combos together. Uh, and, and the key, the key to the game, I think, is finding those combos and getting them to work to towards the end of game scoring. So there's another section at the end of the board with end game scoring on it, uh, and that'll be like so many animals from a certain area, or um, you know, it'll give you certain goals and things like that. So that's something like long term strategy that you need to you need to work towards. So it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it, I quite enjoyed it, even though it's quite long and it's not really something. It's probably heavier than than something I usually play. I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I think as long as you keep the game moving, as long as you keep it snappy and keep you know people playing, uh, it's it's fine. But I can see if there's uh, somebody who's AP or probably takes a bit longer, it's going to drag a little bit, and you'll be sat waiting for your turn. It'll take a bit probably longer than you than you want it to. So uh, that's the only quibble I've got really. The uh, the artwork is really good. The building up of your zoo is really interesting. Placing where the enclosures are going to go, uh, getting the combos out of the cards. It's all it's all good. And yeah, it's quite good fun. Yeah, I would definitely like to try this at some point. Uh, yeah, it's a good game. I enjoyed it, and I'd uh, yeah, definitely play again. Important question then, Rick. Mm. Having had a look on Board Game Geek and seeing how many bits there are, how long does it take to take out and put into the box? <laughs> it's the one that... I don't know if it's a Kickstarter or the one that we played with recently. It's got, like, little trays, you know, the game tray things. So there's two trays with like four or five compartments in each, and that holds all your tiles for your enclosures, the bonus tiles. Um, they're all separated nicely in there. The money, so so it kind of it, it goes like that. But I think that's the only thing. There's no proper insert as such, so you still have to have bags for players' pieces and the cards and things like that. Uh, I think you can get the bag for setup and tear down. Then yeah, yeah, it is a bit of a a bit of a beast. There's a lot of a lot of stuff in there. You, I think you can get like inserts for it, you know, like third-party inserts that fit in the box and stuff to to organise it a bit. But it's not it's not too bad. It's not too bad. There's worse. <laughs> I, I've seen worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it looks really interesting. Have you not played it, Tom? I've I've not. No, because everyone else was basically with. Um, in terms of numbers, when it's been played, it's been a case of either there's three people, and whilst there would have been space for a four. I would have been taken away from another table, and so it would have gone from a nice number of people to not enough, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I haven't got around to it yet. Plus, um, I've not been able to make... So last Tuesday for the Gloucester Club, um, we went out for a Christmas meal, and the Tuesday before, I couldn't make it. So I've been not always available when it's been out as well. 
No. Have, have you played Terraforming Mars? I ha- I've played Terraforming Mars once. So, um, and, and my brain half exploded at the time because it was the first time playing it. I think. Well, it it's like Terraforming Mars, but I think there is a little bit, a little bit more to it. Uh, it right. does last a little bit longer, and there's a couple of extra things on top of that. So it is. I think it was Terraforming Mars with some of its expansions. Yeah. Right. Okay. I know Art Nova is uh, very well thought of in the hobby. It's, uh, I see it's already up to uh, number four on the Board Game Geek ranking. Yeah, yeah, it shot, shot straight up to the top Not, of the list. I don't know exactly how much that matters to anybody, but you know, <laughs> obviously some people like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, re- yeah, well regarded, I think. Even though it's got a very boring tagline on this. I mean, Gloomhaven is vanquish monsters, twilighting <laughs> pyramids, build an intergalactic empire, Ark Nova is plan and build a modern scientifically managed zoo to support conservation projects. <laughs> I mean, they're not selling yeah, it with that. But, you know, <laughs> it's accurate, that's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah that's what but, you're doing. Uh, yeah. yeah, it doesn't sound that exciting, but yeah, it is. It's all right. It's all right. It's good. Yeah, I, I do want to play it at some point. But, you know, yeah, there's a lot of good games yeah. out there. Yep. So, uh, what what uh, what have you guys been playing? What's your what's your games this month? Oh, I'm going to segue into related, but from Ark Nova, big, complex, large zoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> trim down Baron Park. <laughs> Make a bear park by placing things. Almost exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, but it, but instead of taking half your lifetime, no, um, this is about, <laughs> this is, once you've played your sort of medium or heavyweight game of a game session, this is sort of 30 to 45 minutes, really easy to get into. So what you're trying to do is you're making a park, filling it with different bear enclosures and um, other niceties, such as portaloos or um, eateries or shops and that kind of thing. And you score points based on the bear enclosures that you put in there and everything else. Um, um, you, also, you pick up structures to put down by covering certain spaces on your board. So it's really quite nice and clever that you start off with one board, and when you put a piece down, so this is a polyomino, which I don't forget the translation, but basically think Tetris pieces with mm. a little bit more weirdness. Trying to fill a space and... If you place them down on a white space, you pick up the white cards. If it's on a yellow, it's a yellow um, option card um, piece. Or if it's on one of the orange ones, you pick up the really expensive number of pieces, orange thingies. Um, Mm. And if you cover, I think there's men at work, then you get to add an extra um, um, tile to your original one, so you can go from having just a one tile to up to four tiles to build your park on. And that's really quite nice that you can expand. And once you've covered a set amount, that triggers the end game and everyone else has got a set period of time. Um, if you've got a full park, then the space that you couldn't a full tile, then there's one space which is where you put the bear statue and you can only place the bear statue which scores you extra points and that space so there's a push to try to also get a full tile as well and scoring goes from uh highest value for a shape and when it gets taken off you go from sort of like nine points down to eight down to seven so getting there early is important but actually um other people can normally jump in and grab the other bits so it's Mm. making that um judgment call of do i post this space um my piece in this space so I can get these different tiles next time, or do I place them in this one to expand, um, or do I place it here so I can fill in 
a space, um, a, a full tile, and get my bear, and I can get a bear of higher value. These, all those different thoughts, uh, you're trying to juggle in a sort of a quick game. Um, yeah, trying and, to optimize in ten different directions. Yeah, it's, not, it's, it's, but it's very easy to teach. Um, I basically we picked up as the club. It's one of the club game, newer club games, and it, we went right. Well, let's try playing it. None of us had played it. And so someone threw the rule book at me and said, right, okay, Tom, <laughs> you, you teach. And, but it was going from, you know, it was from naught to game in 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, we were able to pick it up, learn the rules, and about five to ten minutes in, we mm. were playing. It's fairly simple to um, lay out and get going, and we all enjoyed it. And ne- next time around, it was closer to sort of the 35, 30 minutes because we knew what we were doing. And learn, knew the rules, but to learn the rules and play a game in forty-five minutes is quite satisfying. Yeah, it's a good one, Baron Park. We really like it. When you played it, did you throw in the um, the optional goals, or did you play without those to start off with? I haven't hit the optional goals as yet because it was we've not played this before. We are learning the rules as playing it, and no yeah. one had done the. Well, I'll go home. I'll read the rules and then do the teach. It was no. Just grab <laughs> I've it and just go. I've just been given the rules, and I'm having to work out what I'm trying to do. And yeah. so, yeah, saw that there were optional rules and just went, yeah, next yeah. time. <laughs> they yeah. just added an extra little little wrinkle to go for, which is nice. It yeah. doesn't uh, really change the game that much. It's just uh, an extra thing to think about. And it's really, uh, I mean, I like this game as well. It's just really uh, smooth and quick. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Phil Walker Harding designed that and he's uh, sort of got a niche in the uh, design space of uh, of these really accessible quick low overheads uh, games that people can just go get in and have mm. a quick smooth game experience and then they're done and uh, yeah. another one of his segue oh, no, uh, I'm, there. <laughs> I know I know <laughs> another one of his and I'm I'm talking about this uh, this week it's uh, a game called Planted uh, which I've played a few times at the at the club. I think um, I think Mike has been bringing it, and we just sort of grab it out of his bag and play it. Yeah. Have you played this one at all, either of you? Yeah, I've, I've played it. Yeah. Seen it? No. Okay. I mean, all the same things you said about Baron Park. It's quick to learn. It's smooth. Not a lot of rules, but you just uh, go tumpty 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 tum. Do this game. And we, and and uh, every, uh, some nice decisions along the way, and then see who's won at the end. Uh, I should probably explain what the game actually is. Um, Say it sounds like all you do is hum. Yes, you just hum. <laughs> I mean, that's it. No, no, you're uh, you're growing house plants and uh, getting all the stuff that house plants need and growing them as best you can, while also getting other stuff to score you points with the house plants. It uh, the last time we played it was. Yes, water is one of the resources you get. The last time we played it was uh, just after a game of Seven Wonders, and everyone was just sort of, went, oh, right, another drafting game. Great. Because what you do in this, uh, you get a hand of cards, uh, which consist of some cards that give you uh, resources, things that plants need, plant food, water, sunlight, uh, that sort of thing. And another type of card that uh, gives you either tools which will give you benefits like, you know, every time you get to water, you get an extra water from now on or something like that. Or decorations, which are end game scores, which are some, some things like um, get a point for every shelf plant you have at the end of the game or 
point for every completed plant. That's because there's different plants you can get along the way. Some on the shelf, some on the, on the floor, some hanging baskets. And they all need different things. So you play these cards, play a card, hand the, hand the rest of the cards on. Uh, of the new cards, you play a card, hand the rest of them on. And at the end of the round, you will have got various resources. So whenever you play a resource card, you get the stuff. Play a two, two water card, you grab two water. So by the end of the round, you'll have a pile of resources. Also, during the round, at any point, you can play a card and instead of getting what it says, you just throw the card away and get a new plant instead. And all these plants have different demands. At the end of the round, you can allocate all the resources you get to all the different plants you've got. Like this plant needs two water and a plant food. This one needs sunlight, sunlight, water, water, that sort of thing. If you uh, allocate resources to that plant, you get to the, the ones that it needs, then it, you get to add a growth token to it. Each plant's got various different spaces for growth tokens. When you add a growth token to it, uh, you have now got some more points. All the plants are different, like this plant might have three spaces for growth tokens, each one if you do this one, you get three points. If you do the next one, you get three points. If you do the next one, three points. Another plant might have one, then four, then seven. So if you really care about care for that plant and get it to grow three times, then you'll get lots of, lots of points. Another plant might have a, a three and a five and only two spaces for growth tokens, that sort of thing. So over the four rounds, you will get lots of resources, allocate them to plants, get more, re get more plants, get some decorations, and at the end of the game, you'll see how many points you've got. And it's all, I mean, as I say, it's drafting, just like um, Seven Wonders. That means that everyone can sort of play simultaneously. So mm -hmm. it goes really quick. You're doing these simple little things. Every every time you just look at your cards and go, oh, I, I need some water, so I'll play this water card, hand your cards on. So there's not um, sort of big agonising decisions all the way. It's just a, sort of a little bit of pleasant card play, doing doing your best to do, uh, to do right by these plants and see who's got the most <laughs> points at the end. And I thought it I'd sounds... won, but then uh, I uh, realised that Angelo had forgotten to count their uh, their plant. Their, uh, you can get extra points for uh, for resources that you haven't allocated to any plants. If you've got any left over, you can just get an extra little point or two, and that just just tipped tipped them over to. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's a good thing though, because it's one of those games that you're not quite sure. You know who's in in the lead, so you can't kind of yes. pick on them until the right at the end. You've got that end game scoring thing. I was winning forty nine to forty seven, and then he realised he'd he'd got three ball points. Ah, forty nine to fifty. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> yeah, I quite like the look of this yeah. one. I think if you're into like plants, if you've got green fingers, you'll quite like the. It's, it reminds me a little bit of Wingspan. It's got the illustrations of all the plants on, and it's good done in like that kind of yeah. encyclopedia style. One of those pleasant, calming yeah. artwork things. Like it's a nice yeah. wise. Uh, it, it reminded me a bit of chai when you were discussing it. That sort of you need different things for different mm. plants. So that you, like you need the different elements for different teas. Yeah, but there's no sort of great um, uh, stress about it. Like, oh, if I don't get this for this yeah. plant, it's going to die. No, if you get some stuff, then you can allocate to a plant and get some points. If you don't, it's fine. Just get it something else. You know. Yeah, I thought I thought it was quite pleasant when I played it. It wasn't like anything. Absolutely pleasant is yeah, it? Was, it was okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's nice. You get to half an hour of going um, of a, a quick card play, and uh, it seems one. I think you, there's definitely space in most game evenings for yeah. something like that. 
you know, especially if, after you've played a sort of a high-stress game where everyone's sort of scrapping over every little thing and uh, trying to kill each other. Uh, and then you play this pleasant little thing. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, just to wind down a little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure it's possible to play this in a cutthroat way. <laughs> Maybe you could no. you could really try to do the hate dra- some hate drafting, like, oh, they've mm. got three plants and they all need sunlight. Aha, I'm going to take this sunlight card so they can't have it. Yeah. Maybe that, that's about <laughs> as far as you can get. Maybe it's just, yeah. you know, yeah. you've got some plants, you feed them. It's nice. Yeah. Just like in Bear and Park, you, you, you want to build some nice places for some, some bears. And some koalas, which aren't bears at all. I, I, I seem to remember the components are quite nice as well. You've got like little water droplets and some some little plastic oh, yes, sun pieces little, uh, and things. I don't know if this is a special edition that Mike's got or if this is mm. the way you get it in the box, but yeah, all the little tokens are I, nice. I, th- I think I asked him, I think it is just a standard retail one. Oh, that's nice, yeah. I think. Yeah, but you get like little cloth bags with to like keep the bits in and stuff like that. Yeah. It all yeah, all it all looks yeah, really nice and nice production and everything, yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. I'd recommend it. Recommend it for a low-stress, low pleasant game. Yeah. Well, sort of cardigan and slippers type game. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Phil Walker Harding's done a lot of things. He's done um, uh, Suki Go as well as um, and uh, uh, Silver and Gold and oh god, what else has he done? Imhotep. Yeah. So just you know, oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got a, a lot of nice little games. Right, well, um, I was going to go to possibly one of the bridesmaids of Board Game Awards, because having just had a look on Board Game Geek, my next one has got up team such-and-such awards nominee, but at no point has it got the thing Mm. winner at the end. So, Meeple's Choice nominee, (laughs) Golden Geek, blah, 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 nominee, Kenneth Bildiara's nominee. So, it's clearly (laughs) good enough, just quite nudged over um but this is mm. cartographers um which i got um one of the things i got for my birthday and it, ah. i played it once uh, um i think uk games expo 2020 2020 actually i think it was when it was the no it's 2021 sorry i'm getting my years confused 2021 in the august and it was the open gaming in the evening and someone bought it out and i played it once and thought oh, this seems okay um, and I've played it since a few, quite a couple of times, and it's a really nice. Um, it's not a roll and write; it's a card flip and write. What you're trying to do is make a map of the kingdom for your queen, and you've got four seasons starting in spring, finishing in winter, and you've got four different scoring points. So you've got scoring zone A, B, C, and D, and at the start of the game, you choose from four different piles of scoring cards. So you've got scoring cards based on um, fields and water. So you you randomly choose one of those and add it to the mix. You choose one based on um, villages and add it to the mix. You choose one based on woods and add it to the mix and one based on space or area and add it to the mix. You then shuffle those and randomly put one for A, one for B, one of them for C and one of them for D. And as you go through the game, in spring, you score A and B. In summer, you score B and C. In autumn, or fall as it calls, because it's American, it scores um, C and D, and then winter. Oh, yes, Isle of Sky does this as well, doesn't it? And so yeah. you know, so you're looking for the same kind of things, but 
when is it best to really focus on something? What to have as your long-term plans? Um, and so it's and it's quite nice the fact that you score A at the start and at the end because it really pushes you want to do something at the beginning. But if you don't do brilliantly, then you know you've got time later on to maximise. Um, mm. So that's that's the scoring. Each round, you've got a stack of cards, and you randomly add. Um, one card of Gribbly Beasties to it, and you turn over a card, and it will tell you what you need to draw. So it will give you a shape, or at times two shapes, one of which is slightly smaller but gives you a coin, and either a single item, so example fields or um, village, and you place that on um, the board, or what? So it's either, sorry. I'll compose myself. It's either two shapes and one type, or two types and one shape, and you place that on the board um, to then score. Um, and you draw it in, um, trying to fill things in appropriately. If you draw, put, turn over the Gribbly Beasties, you pass your map either to your left or to your right, and your opponents try to put the Beasties in to completely thwart your plans, because if there is empty spaces next to the beasties, it scores you minus one points. Yeah, I really enjoyed that bit, yeah. yeah great. <laughs> Do something really elegantly, and you're going, right, I want the um, these these mountains connected to those ones, and then all of a sudden, here would be monsters. You're, you're kind of mm-hmm. cursing the person to your left, or your right. Um, and yeah, it's yeah. really quite a nice added dimension that someone else is drawing on your map. Thank you very much. But I liked the scoring mechanic. I like the fact that there are there's an extra element um, to deal with coins, and you score coins each round. And so, how many coins you've accumulated build up so that you know that you're going to have a constant tick over of points as well. And actually, it's really easy to teach to younger bods. I played it with my son uh, last weekend, um, and so he's oh, yeah. gone. Hmm. So he can play it quite nicely, and he understands the complexity sufficiently well. So it's really accessible. It's got that nice 30 to 45 minute time frame of you can play it at either the start or the end of an evening. It's got enough to think about, but not too much that you're going, oh, crikey, I've had a day at work. My mm. brain is boggled and you're now wanting me to do heavy thinking. It's quite nice and light and you feel that you can do a bit, but not too much. So, yeah, really impressed by it. Yeah. Yeah, like cartographers is another good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah like I say, when you uh, when you, when you draw on somebody else's map, it seems like it's going to be really bad, and you get that you get that like bit of interaction where you say, "Ha ha, pass me your map. I'm going to stick this wherever it's going to, you know, where I will I like on there." But in the end, it's not really too bad because you can always kind of work around it, and you still get some points out of it and stuff. So it's, yeah, it's just enough interaction, but it's not something that's going to like really destroy exactly. your game. Exactly, and it makes it feel more than just mm. adjacent play. Some of these games are nice, yeah, but you're yeah. playing adjacent to other people. Whereas this one, you do need the other people really because they mix in. And yes, you're all and everything that you that is down, everyone gets to play with. Whereas some of the others we've just been talking about you take away an option and prevent other people, but it's generally you're mm. only playing with your own thing. This one is very much, well, you've all got the same opportunities. It's just how you use them is where that skill is, but because it's not just straight adjacent, like roll, um, Railroad Inc. 
because the other players do get to um, mess with your drawing. Um, I like that interaction. Mm. Yeah, I did enjoy this when I played it. I do like the fact that uh, at the end you can look down and go, oh, yeah, I made this little map. Oh, there's all the village is over there. There's this forest here. Yeah. Mm. And you can you can be as uh, uh, as artistic as you want when you're drawing them in. Like, I'm drawing this little L shape oh, of yeah. villages. I could just do a little yeah, little yeah. auto. It could take <laughs> take me time over each one and, you know, the smoke coming out of this one. And things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the people I play with aren't quite that patient. No, okay. <laughs> Draw the next one. Or it could, yeah. Just a triangle instead of drawing a full tree. Or something. Yeah. But like yeah. lollipops, my trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's got a nice app as well, that one. It, oh, it, yeah. I've played the app a couple of times. Do you get good. to draw on that, or do you just... No, uh, no you just the click on the okay. thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Uh, well, I've got... Um, my last one was uh, Planted, which is a... A uh, pleasant little uh, game where you're, you're done really quickly. Not many rules to, to think about. Uh, the next one I'm talking about mm-hmm. is Caverna. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it it took me quite a long time to, to, to set up. Uh, so, yes, I, I got this uh, just at the Bring Goodbye the second the other, the other week. Uh, thank you, Steve. Mm. Um, and it's one I've had on my radar for a while. Obviously, it's uh, mm. uh, been out for... Was it nine or ten years now, or something? And it's um, you know very well regarded game. It's talking about big bog and geek charts again. I don't think it got to the top, but it's, it's definitely been in the top ten at some point. Mm. Uh, it's, it's been sort of two or three above uh, Agricola, which is it's uh, it, it's this is um, a game by Uwe Rosenberg, which was a follow-on to his uh, Agricola uh, farming game. So it's sort of very much sort of taking the same systems and doing a little bit extra uh, with them. Um, so if you know Agricola, you pretty much know how to play Caverna. Uh, it's a worker placement game where you've got uh, lots of different things you can do, most of which get your resources or plant your fields or uh, develop your cave system because Agricola is just fields and uh, a house, which, which you can add extra rooms to. But now in Caverna, you've got fields and an entire cave system that you can develop. You can dig out new caverns and tunnels, and you can furnish them with extra rooms, which do lots of different things. Like you can get a uh, a breakfast room where you can keep three cows, or something like that, for some reason. And you can put that right next to the slaughtering room where you can kill all those cows and eat them. Uh, so yeah, you, you build up this sort of nice sort of this whole dwarf dwelling for this family that you're growing oh yeah they're all dwarves in this one uh, in the previous one it was just medieval subsistence farmers now you're dwarves there's more stuff to it than Agricola I think it doesn't mm. have the card play that um, so where I mean I'm, I'm comparing it to Agricola a lot because it is basically Agricola 2 so Agricola had the worker placement board but you also had cards everyone had their own set of cards which was things that you could add minor improvements or professions that you could place place down and soon so if you go on the space the worker placement space that allows you to play one of these then now you have this advantage for the rest of the game which like you can mm. get extra stuff or you've got more points uh, if you've got reads at the end of the game um in caverna instead of having those cards which you can play they've got the different rooms you can place in your in your caverns and each one of these has different effects. 
and because there's only one of each apart from the basic dwelling then there's uh, you can steal them out from under each other like I was going mm. to go for that but now I've got to go for this it's this sort of board of rooms that is possibly going to be the big stumbling block for anyone coming into it I think because as well as the however many different resources there's also this big board full of lots of different rooms that you can build all of which do something different and you can't possibly just sit and read all of them and know what your your strategy is going to be it's a bit daunting uh, coming into it I think I mean I'm We've played. Uh, I I played a two-player game with Paula, uh, my partner, and, and we've played quite a lot of Agricola. So we had the basic structure of the game straight away. That's fine. We were used to all that. So we had a really good game of it after a beast of a setup, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorting everything out. So putting I put them in all in, in different bowls, and then I got out some more bowls because there's more resources, and then I got some more bowls. <laughs> Um, and put out the, put it all out on a big table in the in the living room. But yeah, we had a good game. But I, I don't think either of us were really sort of looking at all the possibilities that we could do. So next time we mm. might do something different. Uh, like I went for the exploration strategy, which is another difference to Agricola is that you can arm your dwarves. So you can add. Uh, so this dwarf is different to this dwarf because this one's got a helmet with of a value eight on it. So it can go out on on expeditions and get rewards which a value eight helmet can get you, which might be a cow or you can place another field or something. I did that. My my dwarves were all armed to the teeth and could go and take down a city if they wanted. <laughs> uh, Paula went the peaceful route and didn't even look at weapons at all, and she just stayed home farming peacefully, and uh, mm. and and she she totally beat me. So I don't know if that's because I picked the wrong strategy or. I mean, according to it's the kids, is that what you No, saying? apparently not. No. <laughs> Although, um, I'm not entirely clear what I was doing on the expeditions. I, I went out with my uh, my valuable helmet, and I, I came back with a rock. Or something. <laughs> so, I, I don't know whether I just found it along the way, or used my axe to, to chop away at this bit of rock. I don't know. Anyway, um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely Agricola 2.0. And... I am definitely going to play it more. And there's, I think it's just a big space to explore. There's all these different rooms, and I want to yeah, see how they yeah. fit together. I don't yeah. I don't know if there's going to be as much variation as there was with Agricola, because Agricola, you never know exactly what cards are going to be dealt to, to start with, and then you look mm. at them, and that's going to sort of inform your strategy for the game. But this one is always going to be the same rooms out available to mm. get, and it just depends on what other people do to knock you off from whatever you were planning to do. It does look interesting, this one. I like. I quite like the kind of sandbox feel where you can sort of go in whichever direction you want to. Yeah, it's very sandbox. Try and get some points and work out, work, that, work out the best way of doing it. I mean, it. we've played some of his other later games. He's done quite a few games in this sort of, uh, with worker placement and things. And they mm. do get more sandboxy. Uh, like I played mm. uh, Fields of Arl, where there's uh, loads of different things you can do. And uh, Feast for Odin, mm. where there's the, the worker placement board with like 60 different... Uh, places where you can put your pieces to to do different actions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's definitely gone more sandboxy as he's as he's developed his worker placement system. Yeah, um, I, th- I think this is one I'd like to try. Yeah. but it's, it's it's one that I'd probably try similar to you with like another player over a you know a long Sunday and a cup of tea or something like that rather than yeah. sort of playing it three or four player at the club. One and... issue I had with the uh, with the box is that 
Um, it's got enough components that you could have a seven-player hmm. game, and I, I don't think I'd ever want to have a seven-player game because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not simultaneous player or anything. Every every player will add another half an hour or so to the playtime, and uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. two players, fine, yeah, have a nice game. Seven players, you're, you're going to be sitting there, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could have make it a sort of make a, an experience of a big, big uh, event game. But, yeah, you're not going to have quite the same snappy game mm. as you have with a two-player well, game. I've been looking at it on Board Game Geek. So, whereas um, Cartographers was always the bridesmaid, this clearly is well thought of because the number of awards and honours, it's got nominee a number of times, but it's also ticked into the box of winner. So, clearly, it is better than All some right. other things in certain areas for that year. Um, but the best bit that I saw, having had a look through some of the pictures... Apparently, one of the rooms that you can have in the cave is the cuddle room. Yes. Sold. <laughs> you know, if there is a dedicated cuddle room, <laughs> yep, I'm quite happy for that. I, I believe you can keep a heap in that. <laughs> well, yes. No answer to that. <laughs> no, it does look good. Also, it's got donkeys in, which is definitely a... a Step up from uh, Agricola. They didn't have any donkeys in Agricola, so play this instead. <laughs> yeah, does yeah. look nice. Okay, you got one more for us, Tom? Um, I do. So, yes. So this was the other birthday gift. So Baron Park was the um, card game, and I got um, Isle of Cats. So it's another, sorry, <laughs> listeners, polyomino pacing game. But whereas um, it's fairly simple for Baron Park, this one has got two different game modes. It's got the family mode, and it's got um, the slightly more complex with lessons and other elements mode, which I haven't got mm. round to yet because I've only had a couple of weeks to play it and have just focused on the family mode at home. But it's really nice in terms of you're trying to fill your um, boat with cats, but what happens is you've got all these different cat shapes that go into a bag, and for each round... Four of them get pulled out based on um, how many players you've got. So if you've got three players, 12 get pulled out. If you've got four players, 16 get pulled out. And you take it in turn to choose one of these cats and place it on your boat. And in the family mode, at the end of five rounds, you score based on how many cats of the same colour you've got touching each other because that's a family um, you lose points if you've not completely filled up a room on the boat, and you lose points if you haven't got any uh, for how many rats are visible, and also you gain points based on the lessons, the sort of the own personal objectives you've got. So again, it is kind of play adjacent, but because you're always taking from a limited pool of cats on the island at any one point, if someone takes away the shape you were after, You've got to um, change your strategy on the fly, and they're all very different. So whereas with Baron Park, you know that there's some shapes that will always be there. They might not be the same points, but you can kind of go, well, I'll place that one there. It doesn't matter if I'm getting three points rather than four, I can still do this strategy. But if Mm. someone takes the cat that's the right colour and the right shape that will fit there, and now Pussum's is off the island because your <laughs> darling wife has just nobbled it. Um, yes. Uh, you've then got to change your strategy and work out, well, actually, I've got to move it this way and other parts. Um, and you've also got um, 
maps on the boat. So if you've got the right colour cat over the map, then you can get to put a piece of treasure on. And I really like that kind of simplistic element like Baron Park, mm. but just up to that difficulty of the shapes change all the time and the colours change all the time. And you've got your own little objectives just to tweak that um, that variation dial just a little bit up. And then, um, over the Christmas break, we're going to start breaking onto the more complex methods with the... Uh, gameplay with the different lessons and all the other cards that have turned up in the box that mm. we've not used we've just stayed on family mode and so i'm really liking the fact that you've got those two different game modes and you can play easily and get the hang of the strategies of playing cats and what it all means and then go right next next layer of difficulty up off we go it's a yeah it's a good one this um uh, yeah i think you're right it, it the kind of family game Starts you off with kind of a bit the basic kind of where everything goes and how it all works, but I, I don't think it takes long before that gets a little bit stale. So you need you need the extra bits in there that to 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 make it a bit more interesting. Um, or, or you could add in the expansions. There's a few expansions as well that are pretty good. You could add those in there. They're quite good. We've got the boats one, uh, which adds like different shaped boats, and then there's the uh, what's it called kittens and beasts which adds a couple of extra bits as well. And both of those work either in the family game or in the full game as well, so you can mix and match. So they're pretty good. I've just got the Late Arrivals expansion, main, and it was an intentional purchase, knowing that we're going to have people over for Christmas to go. Mm. And, and and my biggest criticism is that that adds an extra two boats, and it's a case of, actually, there's no reason why you couldn't have gone for, you know, other than economics. And I know a lot of people go four but it's one of the things that really frustrates me is actually a four player box and if you can do things for five or six mm. so many times I've gone I could really do with a five player game or a six player game and it's mm. nice that you've gone through the expansion but this is and so you ca I can now do six players but it's the same I've found with Quacks of Quedlinburg that really you want the expansion to have the extra players and yes thankfully it adds extra parts e e extra sorts of gameplay mechanics but really, there was a part of me that's thinking, I wish you'd just put in an extra boat to make yeah, it five yeah. players. Something in that first box to go beyond just the, well, it does mm. up to four players and most people do. It's like, just, it's not that difficult. It's not going to swell things too much. I don't know whether there's not quite enough moggies um, in the starter box mm. to do for five players and whether the components for everything else except for the boats would be a problem. But I, I just wish that they'd gone, tell you what, we'll take it to five players for more than mm. just your two plus two. Yeah, I, I, um, I yeah, quite like this one. Me and, me and Tracy play quite a lot. I was actually at, um, I went down to Patriot Games a couple of weeks ago and they've got like a little cafe in the back there and I saw a couple playing it there in the cafe. So they're having like a nice cup of tea and sort of playing a nice friendly game of Isle of Cats on the on the little cafe table. That was quite nice to see. Yeah, it's, it's it's another like nice one like uh, like Tom was saying about planted like a nice easy one that you can sort of play together. It yeah. looks lovely as well. And, and mm. well, the artwork, yeah. it, you know, whilst you've got the different types of cats, and they are pretty much following the same pattern for the same shape. You do have the fact that there is the cross shaped one, and it is a cat 
cleaning mm. its rear end in the very delicate way that cats do. But it yeah. has got the essence of, no, this is what cats do. They will sit there in this really awkward position to clean their derriere, or they yeah. will be chasing after some kind of animal, which some of them are, or just lying on its back, paws in the air, going, rub my belly, human. And you've yeah, got that yeah. all on the pictures, and it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, the cats in it are great, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Yeah, that, that, those are my games of late. So that's the uh, that's the games we've all been playing recently. Yeah, we've all been uh, all been playing very pleasant games recently. I think I think that's the theme of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice, uh, nice easy family yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. So so next week it'll be uh, it'll be back to uh, to uh, Tom's Mister Angry impression, and it'll be <laughs> <laughs> it'll be fighting and confrontation and yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I'll probably be playing fighty robots in the Christmas holidays with Randon. <laughs> yeah so moving on to question of the week then so uh it's christmas day you've got the family around you're all sat around having your christmas meal it, the plates have been cleared away you're all sat at the table the conversation stalled you've got 15 20 minutes before everybody's ready for christmas pudding it's time to break out again so we've got we've got a couple of suggestions i've, I've just been having a quick think about a couple that you could sort of bring out a a, a kind of a party kind of get, uh, situation and play with play with people. So one one that we played recently at the club, I'd, f- I'd forgotten about this, I haven't played it for ages, but I've forgotten how good it was. It's a game called Spyfall. Oh, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I thought this would be a good one because you literally just get one card. You, it plays up to eight players, I think it does, and you just give each player one card. And it's also timed as well, so it can't like drag on forever. It's, it's eight or ten minutes or whatever it is, and you put it onto a timer. But basically, everybody will get a location card. So you're at the beach or something like that, and they're all they're all the same card except for one, which is a spy. So he doesn't know what the location is, and you're asking each other vague questions about uh, what's the temperature like, what you had for lunch, uh, how did you get here, things like that, and you're trying to figure out who knows what the location is and who doesn't. It's a nice a nice easy game. Uh, it's it's probably one that if you've not played with games before, it might be a little bit confusing about the hidden role kind of thing. Um, but I think once you've played it once, they'll kind of understand it and get it, and it, it'll probably work out all right. Uh, so that's my my suggestion, Spyfall. Which do you think um, you would rather bring out with a non-gaming family? Would it be Spyfall or the Chameleon, which has a similar thing of the uh, uh, Chameleon would be a good one as yeah. well? Yeah, yeah. Got, that's um, everyone. Uh, everyone knows uh, is trying to identify one of the words in a grid, except one person who doesn't mm. know which of those words you're doing. Uh, everyone can see the grid, it's just uh, one person doesn't know which of those um, 20 or 30 words is the one. Mm. Yeah. So um, that, That's even quicker as well, isn't quicker. it? So you just go around and say a word, and then that's basically it. So it... Yeah, so, yeah, so you don't have to go round and round asking questions, it's just one word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good one, yeah. Well, um I wouldn't, because there is an age gap of 80 years between my son and my father-in-law. And right. then if you're going to add um, my mother-in-law in as well, which is my Christmas day in just over a week's time, I, 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 I think, yes, um, there, yeah. there might just be, no, let, let's just go and watch Paddington um, or something. <laughs> Um, it's not quite true, but I, I do know that there sometimes can be that difficulty of explaining the rules. But mm-hmm. what I would recommend for other people, possibly, and one that um, I played at uh, the gaming club Christmas do, 
Uh, so we went out for a meal, and afterwards we went to the pub, and we played a fake artist goes to New York, and this is really oh, quite yeah. nice. So it's nice little box, yeah. really easy to play because we we've got our bellies full. Um, I was driving, so I was fully compass mentis and not an idiot as normal. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe. Um, <laughs> you know, in various states, um, we were able to play this, and it's a really nice game where one player is a GM and has um, writes down on all cards but one um, the name of something and gives a clue. And then these cards are handed out and one of them's got an X and they've got to be the fake artist. And so everybody has got to draw on the sheet of paper with their own uniquely coloured pen a design without lifting their pen off and then it goes around to the next person, the next person, the next person. Well enough to indicate to the others that they're a true artist and not a fake artist. Um, And the fake artist has basically got to try and draw something to pretend to be the real artist. And then once everyone's had two attempts, so one person does their first thing and then it goes round the circle of the group and then the starter player does their second drawing and it goes round the group and then you've got your work of art as good or as atrocious as it is. And then everyone votes who they think is the fake artist. Now, if you identify the fake artist, they've still got a chance of winning because then they have to guess based on the hint, um, for example, movie, um, and what's been drawn. So if someone managed to guess from movie, the fake artist went, well, that's Home Alone. So mm. as the artist, <laughs> we unfortunately were too good and they were able to guess from the clues. So you're trying to do that balance of hard enough so that the fake artist can't guess what you're doing, um, but clear enough so that everybody else can identify you as a real artist. And there's that really nice mix of it's simplistic enough and there's got that balance. And, yeah, small box game. There's something about these um, sort of hidden role games, not really hidden role, but you know what I mean. Uh, These ones which sort of fit the... Yeah, there's hidden traitor things. Yeah. Anyway, the uh, ones where one person's got a doesn't is in the dark and has to pretend mm. they know what's going on. Um, these it sort of seem to fit this sort of mood very well, where everyone's just sitting there and you don't want mm. to, to strategize. You just want to uh, yeah, you just want to do a little thing and yeah, uh, uh, and try and outthink each other a bit. And with, with this one as well, you, you just make one mark on the paper. Yeah, it's just, and then you, you know, pass it across, and it and it's like really quick. So you think, oh, or, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll start drawing a face or something. You start drawing a circle, and then you lift your pen up, and then you start putting it down. And people go, nope, 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 that's it. And yep. you, you've you've only drawn a quarter of a circle or half a circle or something. You have to pass it across. Do, yeah. do, do you keep the do you keep the drawings in the box as well once you finish them, just to look back at them? The person whose game it was has done. Um, I don't yeah. think I'd be that um, sentimental. <laughs> <laughs> The, the drawings, particularly if they're any of mine, will probably be firelighters. <laughs> it's not. It's not about drawing. It's like, yeah, it's not about drawing well, though, is it? It's about sort of getting the message across. I'm yeah. really glad about that because I can't draw for <laughs> selfie. Which, which is a good, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. 
another one that I thought of as well was a game called The Mind. Again, this is just like a, a sort of quick card game where you get uh, cards with a number on. Um, so you basically give everybody one one number card from this deck and you have to play them in order. But the thing is, you can't communicate. Um, so this is kind of, that's all the rules. That's all you have to do, basically. So you uh, kind of give people a card. And I think I think for non-gamers, it's probably going to be a, co- a bit confusing at, f- at first. But then when it clicks, when you actually play the cards and you do it in order and it works, it's like a magic trick. It's like, Oh right, okay. And then you yeah, give everybody some, two cards. Some great moments playing the mind when people just sort of staring at each other, and then mm. a fifteen and a sixteen go down. And, Whoa, yeah, or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To be um, fair, I just like the thought of being able to keep my mother-in-law silent for fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, we should be staring at you. Everyone stares at each well, other. Well, that's, that's the thing. The, the strict rule is there's no communication. But if you're playing with family and you're playing over fifteen minutes, it doesn't matter if there's a raised eyebrow or, brow or a hurrum for a grum for a. You know, somebody crosses the legs and looks at you and says, no, you know what I mean? It doesn't really matter. You just play. <laughs> you just play fun, really. Yeah, I mean, there's always got to be some sort of body language communication. Like, mm. someone's got a card and they're going, uh, yeah, and it's, you know that they're wondering. It's, it's close, but not very close. It's kind know, of how much so can you get away with as well, it. yeah. 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 <laughs> if it's a 15, they're, they've got, they're holding a 90, they're not going to do that. But if it's yeah. a 15 and they're holding a 24, then... Eh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought of a, a game which is quite nice for groups in a sort of low um, low impact. Don't have to put too much effort into it, but you can. But depending on the size of the group, you might have to buy it several times. This is number <laughs> nine, <laughs> which you could play with as many people as you want. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But... For every four people, you need an extra box. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, you play with 20 people, you just buy five boxes of it, and everyone's doing the same thing. You pull out, uh, everyone plays the number one. So everyone gets the number one tile and tries to place it as efficiently as they can. And everyone's trying to put them together, and then when they've got enough together that they've got enough space to put another one on top, then maybe the next one they'll put on top, and then maybe they'll even manage to make it to a, a third level or a fourth level. Because the ones on the, bottom, uh, on the bottom level won't score anything. These are weird... I suppose they're polyominoes, aren't they? Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, every every number is has got different shape. So like a, a one is fairly straight, uh, with one little bit sticking out, and a uh, nine is quite blocky. So each each number has its own special shape, but it's also its number. So that shape you've got to fit with the others. And when you're putting it on the next level, it's got to be entirely supported by other things. Can't be o- o- hanging over or over any any holes or anything. Mm. Uh, and if you get a nine on the on level one, as in level zero, and then you've got level one above that. Uh, then it'd be worth nine points. If you got it in level two, it'd be worth eighteen points. So you're trying to get the high value numbers on high, on high levels, but it's quite hard to do that mm-hmm. because you've you, it's harder you than pull, it looks. Yeah, yeah. You pull a seven and you go, oh, I can't quite fit that there. But if I fit it there, and then maybe that space for a nine, if a nine comes up next. But mm-hmm. you know, I don't know because when I play it at home, just a two player with me and, and Paula. It's possibly one of the sweariest games we have, because <laughs> <laughs> just because of the agony of decision that you got. But I can see that it would fit. I think it would fit quite nicely into a sort of um, 
a post meal haze or yeah. everyone just doing stuff. I think uh, I think that'd be a good one to team up on if you got if he's like Tom was saying, if you got like grandma and somebody else playing, you could sort of play together and say, Right, this is our And everyone just gets to gets yeah. to place the same thing, but then you look yeah. over at neighbours and go, Oh, you placed it there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone I, I, doing the same thing, but some people it'll work out better than others. Yeah. I can imagine grandma being quite sweary as well. <laughs> well yes. <laughs> After a few cherries, yes. Uh, well um, just going back to um, the Tuesday, we actually managed as a group of uh, about 11, 12 of us around a table to play um, cartographers. So that can work as well with a large group because you can give everybody a map and you can also put the cards out. And it doesn't matter if anyone can see them immediately because you can pass them around. So that works nicely. But I don't need to go into much more because I've already rappled on about it. I wanted to say. That's actually um, sort of in common with quite a lot of these uh, roll and write or flip and write games. You could have a lot of people doing yeah, the same thing. Yeah. Like you, you flip a, you, you flip this, and now everyone draw an L on, on their thing or whatever. Mm. So, so I, th- yeah. I think roll and write or flip and write have that advantage. And yes, they're very game adjacent, but it works in that situation, doesn't it? Mm. It does. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's some uh, that's some uh, Christmas party games that you can play. Okay, guys, so I think that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for joining me. We've been speaking to Tom Cauldron. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Rick. And we've had on Tom Tom Lovell as well. Thank you very much for coming on, Tom. Thank you, Rick. It's been good talking to you both. Uh, Have a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and we'll uh, we'll speak to you in the next episode. Uh, Goodbye for now. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 